Game Boys. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Game Boys podcast. It's me, Lux, your host, and joining me, as always, the former CEO of Cambridge Analytica, it's Griffin Davis. Cambridge Analytica. Let me think of what that news story is. One of these days, I'm going to understand your reference and just be able to jump right off the bat and get it. But so far, I think your goal is to stump no, me every time. I was time. trying to think of a more accessible one. Then you were like, do the one you thought of. It's fine. And now here we are. Oh, OK, no, uh, I got it. I got it. And I didn't look this up. It's the Facebook data thing, right? Bingo. Yes. <laughs> yes. OK, uh, Facebook data. Uh, these guys sold information. Is that yeah, what it to, is? Like, Ted Cruz, maybe Donald Trump, maybe Russian hackers. No one's really sure. Ted Cruz? You mean Raphael? Yeah, definitely Raphael. That's like, that broke today. Well, uh, it's great to be here on the podcast, you know. Yeah, it's so good. So good to be here doing this classic bit. I gotta, I don't know. I'll think, uh, one day I'm gonna come up with one and you're gonna have such a good response and where everyone's gonna be like, wow, this is what the podcast is supposed to sound like and it'll be great. I ask him to warn me beforehand what he's gonna say and you just never do. Yeah, no, I'm a rebel and an agent of chaos. Speaking of agent of chaos, here's my current thing that I'm doing right now in my life, Griffin. I didn't ask you that. I know, but I'm taking charge. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I started a poll on my Facebook asking people how they wipe their butts, sitting or standing. Oh, yeah, and I was in the minority. Yeah, you were. It's become quite the controversy amongst people who answered the questions. I've gotten a few text messages. Okay, well, take a hard stance right now on the podcast for everyone. Okay, here's the truth about me. If it's a normal poop, I sit. But if it's a sloppy boy, I stand. Gross. Just so <laughs> gross. Look, I, told I don't you, know why I asked. I told you I'm coming with the truth. I that's why it the re <laughs> since I do both, the fact that some people are so hardline one way or the other kind of blew my mind. That's why I started the poll. It was divisive for sure. I mean, I was surprised to be in the minority, but it just seems weird to like I don't know. Like, put your hand near the water. Like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I see it. I see both sides. Um, there's good people on both sides, Griffin. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's good guys on both sides. Yeah. And, Let's not lose uh, sight of that. And I'm, and, I, and I'm scared to take a stance on this podcast. And I think I accidentally <laughs> just did. Um, Lux, are you playing any good games right now? Um, this is a video game podcast. Yeah, right I think. now. Well, let's see. I was playing Impossible Creatures last time we talked. I actually started <laughs> Suikoden in 2. Nice. Um, did you get that off the PlayStation Network? I did. Excellent. Um, I wonder how long it's going to stay there, but it's there now. Um, and it's really good. It's as good as I remember it being. It's as good as Danny said it was. Um, it's been extremely fun. Uh, what about you, dude? Are you playing anything interesting? Yeah, yeah I uh, I just beat uh, the first playthrough of Nier Automata. Uh, it was great until I realized that I had to play like the same game like six times to get the final ending. No, and then I just what playthroughs are different. But like, how different? You play as different characters and different uh, things okay. happen, and they're like the quests are different. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do the same thing, but from a different perspective. Like there are parts that were like you do like. Like you go find Pascal with nine S instead of two B or whatever. So I basically have to play the same like 18 hours over and over again. But they, feel very different. they feel very different. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I was like, I'm just going to watch the video Lux made about it instead. And I did that. <laughs> good. So I, feel like I got option. everything I needed. Yeah. It'll save you a lot of time for sure. But yeah, that's what we've been playing. Um, and but you know, uh, I, I we've been rude because because we've got a great guest uh, here today, and, and he brought a great game. I'm excited to have him on. Um, 
when I invited him over, uh, he he looked at the room and was like, oh, there's only one microphone. He was like, why even have an off the grid palace in the middle of a valley where you record your podcast secretly if you're only going to have one mic? What are you doing? You should be happy this isn't just like an iPhone in the middle of the table. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you should be happy about that. Because, um, But anyways, uh, and then he, uh, he was like, oh, but this is my first podcast. OK, but without further ado, let's welcome a sketch comedian, all around funny guy, Jacob Gerstel. Gerstel, yeah. Gerstel. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for being on the pod, dude. Uh, how's it going? Good. Uh, you made me sound like a real asshole with that intro of, I did not say just one mic. I asked the question, because it's my first <laughs> podcast and I was nervous, like, oh, is that how people normally do things? <laughs> and according to Griffin, that just means I'm a diva. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, if Griffin can find a reason to talk shit about anything, he's going to find it. You know, I'm deciding if I should lean into this character for the listener. <laughs> or just squash the rumor right now that the, I'm a bad person. I'm trying to give you handles, man. Like the audience needs to know who you are in one word. And for me, that was well a little bit about Jacob. You know, uh, I'll try and I'll try and make it nice. I was actually I was very intimidated by Jacob before I knew him because he was a very funny man. And I saw him do some funny stuff. And he also seemed like one of those guys that was like a smart guy. And, and you guys know I'm not. I'm pretty dumb. And I feel like smart guys don't always like me. So I was like, this guy is not going to like me. Could have been farther from the truth. He's a sweetheart and smart. He's the whole package. He's a sweet uh, smart. You, you missed the mark on about all of that. Not <laughs> funny, not smart. And I love you to death. I was very intimidated. <laughs> Aww, um, that was but it turned out to be great. Word. So um, when we uh, last time, whenever he has one on, uh, we sort of ask what they're doing. So like what? What are you up to these days? Are you making anything interesting? What kind of jokes you doing? sketch shows, anything like that going on? Yeah. So uh, like I'm sure many of your guests or maybe just the first one I heard, I perform at the Pack Theater with Griffin. That's how we met. Uh, I do a couple different sketch shows there monthly. Uh, fourth Fridays, I do a two man show with my good friend Connor called The Four Cute Boys, which is uh, an exceptionally silly sketch show. Uh, and then... I'm also a part of a house team at the Pack Theater, uh, which is like 13 people. So really, I just write a lot of sketch comedy so I can wiggle on stage a lot. Hell yeah. I, re- I find that extremely relatable. So you can wiggle on stage? Yeah, uh, I know my natural comedic <laughs> talents, and it's how wiggly I can be. It's, <laughs> it's p- directly proportionate to how funny I am. Well, actually, speaking of wiggly, uh, when when Jacob gets drunk, it's like he's doing an impression of a drunk person. Like, oh, that's it, so good. Like, but he's not. Like, but he's like he is extremely wiggly. He's like one of the inflatable tube people at like a car dealership. Uh, yep. It's pretty great. I thought he was joking when he was doing it. And I was like, oh, no, like he's no, that's <laughs> Whoa, cool. A friend once very accurately described me as a skeleton covered in spaghetti, which <laughs> I think is the perfect description of my body type and my movements. It's funny, actually, <laughs> that your friend gave that comparison, because <laughs> when you mentioned sort of the 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 aesthetic value of wiggling, it reminded me that um a couple of days ago was the wrestling show that we talked about in the last episode of Danny, um, the Party World Wrestling Show. And we actually have a wrestler named Pasta Man whose sort of whole gimmick is that he wiggles and is covered in spaghetti. Um, <laughs> and that sort of sell, does a lot of the work. People love Pasta Man's like one of the most beloved characters, largely because of the wiggling and the spaghetti. So I can see how that would translate to like a stage presence that people are into. I've yeah, seen pasta's it happen. hard to grab, man. Pasta's hard to grab, but it's uh, even harder to grasp. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't get it, but like, I still like laugh. Like conceptualize. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah conceptualize. No, no, what he's talking about is so this thing happens every once in a while. Griffin will go to like a fancy restaurant, and then I'll get a phone call from him where he's like, "How does it bow ties? How do they, how do they get it so squiggly?" And I'm just like, "I don't, I don't, I don't know, man." And he's amazed. The shapes, the shapes the pasta can make really blow minds from time to time. To be honest, the I recently had a pasta blow my mind. It's the really big shells. Have you guys seen these at like grocery stores? Sure, that can hold. God knows how much. It's like a small boat. I've never <laughs> seen that kind of pasta be made, but I'm always impressed by it. The it's giant one, one piece of pasta. That's yeah, like cut, cut it's up. like a boat shaped noodle. It's yeah. really it's like the size of my palm, huh. which is not that substantial. But for a pasta, it's pretty big. Yeah, is there enormous, a name? Do you remember honestly. the name? No, I don't because uh, it always intimidates me. So I just avoid it. They're definitely designed for people who just like love sauce. Like the idea, the whole idea of them is like that they just fill with like the sauce and it becomes like a sort of like a liquidy, like a soft liquidy empanada. Wow. Also, I'm glad I could join you guys on the pasta podcast. I got a lot of thoughts (laughs) on the different types, uh, how to cook it properly. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Grandito Pasta. (laughs) From Trader Giotto's. Um, <laughs> Do you think it's messed up that Trader Joe's changes all of its names to, to the to the country of origin when, of the thing? For a while, I didn't, right? Because it was like Trader Joe, Jose, Trader Johan, whatever. And it was all yeah. like Joe variants. Sure. But then the Chinese one is Trader Ming. And that feels Whoa. weird. That feels yeah. like a weird. Tro- I mean, maybe that's like maybe Ming is Chinese for Joseph and I'm the fucked up racist one. But like. It just feels like a big jump from the other ones. Yeah, it's a big jump. It's a big jump. Um, but so, Jacob, this is a video game podcast, not a pasta podcast. Oh, um, well, I, and then I'm leaving right now. <laughs> no, he's walking. He's walking out the door. He's calling. He's hailing a cab. It's it's Los Angeles. There's no cabs out there. I mean, if he has to leave, Danny's coming over in two hours to play RPG. So we can always just sub him in and have him talk about something. Yeah, perfect. Danny's subbed in. Um, so, uh, yeah. So this is a video game podcast. Um, I know you're not as hardcore of a gamer, but, but you used to play games. Yeah. Uh, like many people uh, growing up, I played lots of video games, um, usually secondhand because my parents would not allow us to have a gaming system. Ooh. The, the most we had was a Game Boy where I just like, you know, play the shit out of that. But I would always go to my friend's house who had, you know, the PS2 and the N64 mm-hmm. and the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't play as much anymore, sadly, just because time and I'm poor and all that stuff but so why did your parents not let you was it like a was it like an anti-tv household too like you, like what was no tv was fine i watched a lot of tv as a child um i think it was just they didn't they wanted to encourage us to play outside more uh like good parents and instead i went into my friend's house and sat there so i do think sometimes that it's like it's crazy that my parents didn't call me out more about like how much video games i played as a child it makes sense for lux because like lux's dad played a lot of games yeah, Rabbi Jack loves the Rabbi Jack loves his um, murder-heavy RPGs. <laughs> he just called. He called me yesterday, actually, and was like, "I just finished Shadow of Mordor, and it was so fun." And I was like, "We got to get him on like- the podcast." I honestly let's let's move some people aside. I think he's a priority, or maybe he can be a constant. Like we call him, we call into him or something. We can talk to him. He's retired as fuck. <laughs> like he doesn't do anything. So I. I would, yeah, I think he should be a constant character. Anyways, I think we should start getting into the game that Jacob mentioned. 
Yes. I'm going to do a little history about the game before we, uh, to, to, just to set the tone about this game. <laughs> All, right. All right. Everybody strap in for this One wild ride. One day I'll ride. get this right. You should, uh, you should name the game first, though. Oh, really? Yeah. You think so? It's usually a good start. We usually I'm, do. I'm gonna, well, well, the thing, Jacob, that you don't understand is I don't do a good job. <laughs> that is kind of the ethos of the podcast, to be honest. Are video games art, or are they mindless pop culture meant only to entertain? No game has been at the heart of this debate more than the 2005 cult hit Shadow of the Colossus from Japanese studio team Aiko. The story focuses on a young man named Wander who enters a forbidden land in hopes to resurrect his dead lover, Mano. In order to bring back Mano, Wander strikes a deal with a malevolent spirit named Dorman who tasks the hero with slaying 16 giant colossi in exchange for bringing his loved one back to life. A sense of loneliness and moral ambiguity permeates through the game, making it one of the first times in gaming that you question if your character was doing the right thing. A cult sensation upon release, it spread beyond the gaming industry. Even movie reviewer Roger Ebert, who had declared video games could never be art, claimed to have a change of heart after playing the game. In April 2009, it was reported that Sony Pictures would adapt Shadow of the Colossus into a film. But the game's biggest Hollywood moment was when Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle played the game for an entire scene in the drama Rain Over Me. (laughs) It was good enough for Roger Ebert to give it two thumbs up, but will it be good enough for the Game Boys? This week, Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, I like the Titanic intro music. Uh, I hope we don't get sued. <laughs> yeah, Dude, if they're, someone, they're if, listening. Any, if anyone bothers to sue us for the music choices, then like, they've, <laughs> for, they have dug five so, seconds of badly mixed audio. They have dug yeah. so far for their DMCA shit that like, they fine have it <laughs> like you did it yeah I, i'd be proud of them it's the same way where it's like if someone ever like uh you know find me for pirating a dvd i'd be like you found me like uh, here okay yeah good exactly just be like yeah good work you but also enough- am, am i sorry am i the only one that thinks the image of roger ebert playing shadow of the colossus particularly funny <laughs> no, is that ex- just me no it's extremely good i was thinking <laughs> that <I'm doing> it. <laughs> No, I mentioned it because I thought it was a super serious thing. The, the best thing, the best <laughs> so thing about Jacob, it is his you thumbs brought on a game up. I was really excited about. You know, we've done some weird ones. This one, you know, is really great because uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's like a cult hit and it just had a remaster where they redid the whole game. So it's kind of like back in the public consciousness again now. Um, so tell us a little bit about why you decided to choose this game. Right. Uh, I picked this game because I have particularly fond memories of playing it as a child uh, over at my friend's house. Uh, I played it when it first came out, so I was probably 13. Um, and it's just a game that I'd never, I never played a game like that before. Um, uh, most of the games I played as a child were, you know, first person shooters or RPGs, one or the other. Uh, so like Call of Duty, Halo, or all the Final Fantasy games, or World of Warcraft, which consumed most of my middle school years. Uh, but when I played Shadow of the Colossus, it's very different. Um, no enemies, really. You kind of just wander around a lot. Um, and you just, it's a really atmospheric kind of game. And I never played something like that before. And I definitely didn't appreciate it when I first played it. <laughs> I was very confused. Uh, and I, even finishing the game, I didn't know what it was about or what was going on at all. Um, but looking back on it, I had, a, I mean, it's a, just a really fun game to play. And it's, I didn't realize it then, but it was very formative of like, you know, 
the types of games that I would come to enjoy. Yeah, it's very striking. Uh, it, back then, it came out in 2005, which is 13 years ago. And it's very striking that it was like such a lonely atmospheric game, I think, is what hit hit everyone the most. Like, even if you're a kid, didn't understand the story. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was from that was my experience. I, I didn't play it when it first came out. I played it um, once, like my freshman year of high school. And I changed schools for high school and there's a whole, whole backstory about it, but I like didn't know a lot of people. And so I was very into that game. So I was just playing it all the time. Like the first like couple of weeks I was in school and like the sort of lonely atmosphericness of it was just like, oh, I get that. Like, I, know, I don't know anyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand like uh ratchet and clank, <laughs> but, but give me this one dude on a horse just yeah, running into walls. That made a lot more sense to me because Ratchet and Clank each had a friend, which I, yeah. which I didn't. So this was more relatable. <laughs> well, you have Aggro. He's like your best friend in the whole world. <laughs> oh, God. We'll get to Aggro uh, in, in, in a second. Um, but let's let's focus on the story just for a minute here. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a this tale is definitely a tragedy, um, which is which was rare for, I think, video games back then. And, and even now, in a lot of ways, you know, I I think a lot of games always want to make it so that your character uh, writes a world that's wrong and like succeeds and like that the world is better because of what the hero's done. Uh, and this is actually kind of the opposite, um, which is something I did not realize as a kid. Like as a kid, yeah. I thought I was just killing like uh, like cool ass things. But then I came back to it as an adult and I, and I was like, oh, well, this spirit's definitely evil, like obviously evil. Like I did not pick up on that at all as a kid. What about you, Lux? <laughs> I did, but I was a little bit older. Like I said, I was in high school and I was like well on my way to being like the the lit nerd film guy that I am now. So like I, I did I did I did kinda of get it, but like I said, I was closer to fifteen when I played it, so I was a little bit older. And I think that, that probably played a part in it. Yeah, I think I was like twenty one, twenty two. Zoom beanies redux. Yeah, I had much the same reaction as Griffin, uh being a thirteen year old and only playing games where you kinda are the hero and you feel like you can't do anything wrong. Uh, I also went into the game completely blind, like I didn't know that it was kind of a prequel spiritual successor to Ico, uh, Ico uh, which also has that kind of atmospheric thing. I haven't played that either. I played a little bit of that. It's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard good things. It's a weird experience going into a game where there's maybe 50 lines of dialogue the whole time and you really don't know what's going on. Like I didn't know. I knew the guy like this boy wanted to save his girlfriend. And so this maybe god like voice voice of light just said like oh so go kill these 16 colossus i guess and i'll bring them back um so i i did it and then the ending confused the fuck out of me uh yeah the ending the ending is kind of ambiguous but also pretty clear like uh spoilers but like so basically uh you kill all these colossus each time it is so sad like before we get to the ending let's just mention like it is like as I I, play, I just replayed the whole remaster and like every time I killed one of these things, it was so sad. And I was just like, what am I doing? What have I done? Like, oh, like I want to see the end of this game, but I also don't like it sucked. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with the music. I think of yeah. when you're fighting them, it's this real fun, heroic, like, oh, you're a cool guy doing a big hero thing. And then as soon as you kill him. Fountain of Blood comes up and it's mm -hmm. just the saddest music plays. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like triumphant victory music, and then it's just like, 
Yeah, it's Actually, so sad. It's, it's funny you mention that. So the first time I, I played through this game, I played this game two times in my life. The first time was like I said, I was in high school. The second time I, I played some of it for this, but not all the way through. I played through it again when I was in college. And when I was in college, frankly, it says that I did a lot of drugs in college. Um, and cool, dude. Look, man, I, humble brag. I guess I'm not proud of it, dude. But the story doesn't make any sense without that bit of like foreknowledge. Um, and I was with my friends, and they were like, "What if we did drugs and played through Shadow of the Colossus?" And I was like, "That sounds good." One thing we have to do is change the music totally because, like, I'll get very depressed if I hear that like sad, sad song every time I slay a giant monster. So instead, we listened to um the album Colossus by the noise band Lightning Bolt, like the super heavy noise band Lightning Bolt. Oh, I know Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. So we just listened to Colossus and then play on a loop and just played the Shadow of the Colossus. And let me tell you, the whole like sad, like tonal ambiguity of that game disappears and it becomes the most fast and the furious type. Awesome fucking <laughs> hardcore metal adventure imaginable. <laughs> well, shouts out to that composer for for doing a lot. I think the yeah. other reason it's sad, other than the music, is is the the um the way the they just spend a lot of time on the physics of the way that the the beats move and that they're like that they have hair, like they really feel like living creatures in a way that lots of video game enemies do not feel like um just like when you're climbing on their shoulder it, it really is like scared and trying to shake you off and you can like see its muscles moving and you're holding on to like its physical hair it's like it, there's this real sense that you're 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 crying you're like uh, climbing on a sentient thing yeah and you also on top of that there's like the game leans into the sense of wonder like that's my favorite thing about the game honestly is the game leans into like the magnitude and the scale and like the sense of like the incredible and the awesome and so you see this thing and it's like wow look at this miracle of the world this giant like elephant creature walking through taller than mountains better go murder it which is like a rough episteme to work with for six for a 20 hour game or, or a 10 hour game or whatever yeah and it really doesn't help that most of the colossi like they're just walking around. They're not. Yeah. They're not really doing anything. They're not harming anyone. And yeah. you're the guy who like picks up a bow, shoots him with an arrow, and then of course they're gonna try to attack you. But there's there's a few that try and run away. It's so sad. Yeah, they're yeah. just they're just trying to live their life, man. And this kid with an iron grip just keeps coming up and stabbing them in their head. And yeah. it's a bummer. That kid who would just dominate American Ninja Warrior, like would just crush <laughs> it so hard. I want to see that American Ninja Warrior where you have to climb giant colossal beasts for America. I might actually watch it then. Yeah. <laughs> I would know about more than just the salmon climb. But yeah, so just quick spoilers to the ending. Like, it's kind of a weird ending. Like, you kill all the beasts and it's revealed that the thing you've been working for is like a demon that's now freed. Um, it's a little ambiguous on if the colossus that you killed were bad or if they're just vessels for the demon that was bad. Um, so that's a little, a little vague. But like, you end up getting turned into a baby with horns. Your girlfriend is brought back to life, but you guys are trapped forever and like the forbidden lands so you guys are just like kind of trapped in this like nowhere land with everything that's like dead and gone um but uh you're a baby with horns so upside yeah yeah i think why i said i, I was so confused by the ending uh and it kind of actually made me mad was because i throughout the entire game despite all the signs that you know you're a bad person and you're killing all these animals all that was just completely over my head because it was so ingrained that i'm playing a hero uh so then when you become this big old demon that looks like you just look like death by the end of it, you literally have horns and you're like pale and disheveled. Then you get possessed. Uh, 
I was mad that these shamans showed up. I'm like, no, wait, I'm the good guy here. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I did a good thing. Why, why are you saying I'm evil? And then it's still at the end. I just, it, it didn't hit me until uh. literally years later. And I've like rewatched it or like seen other things and like, oh, I'm an asshole. I'm the bad person. I yeah. thought this whole time it was this weird shaman guy who's bad and this benevolent spirit just wants to get free. Right. Yeah, one Whoa. thing one thing I really liked about it the second time that I played through it with the drugs and the uh, lightning bolt, it does a really interesting job of challenging and critiquing like the traditional like male hero journey kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm in love with this girl and like love is what matters and like we're going to find a way to make love conquer all. It's going to overcome all this shit. And the game is like, no, no, no. Just because you have a crush on a girl doesn't mean you can hunt endangered animals and do all kinds of evil bullshit. Like there's a point at which like that becomes a bullshit reason to do things. And like that's the kind of message that like you don't get in a lot of media. Like a lot of media is like you're in love. So kill everyone, I guess. Like that. Right. That's the move. <laughs> and it's like, no, don't actually. Um, Which is like jarring for a game to say. And also like really fucking interesting and smart. I think it also makes the character seem like kind of a creepazoid that he's willing to do all this shit. But the game kind of tricks yeah. you into empathizing with that. Yeah, and it I think it's really aided by the fact that you never really talk. Uh, the Wander just has like a couple opening expedition lines like, oh, you can bring back people. I want you to bring back this girl. And the guy's like, all right, we'll go kill these people. And he never talks again. <laughs> uh, so it's it's kind of like it's you just being him. It helps you really get into his mind space. Um, and you don't really know his reasons besides he just wants to save his girlfriend. Uh which seems fine to me uh, on its face, but when you start to really look at it, it's not very good. But anyways, on a grand, on a grand scale, you know, like this game, like definitely had some interesting ideas and was striking for the time and it got super popular. I mean, it, have you seen the scene from Rain Over Me where they play it? It is very funny. Okay, how do you, how do you shoot? Squares, stab, that's the bird. You want to shoot him, get his attention. All right, all right, good job, all righty. And let me pluck him right into you, dude. <laughs> yeah, playing a movie on a on a <laughs> audio medium is solid. Yeah. So um, so now let's let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Like, uh, I played the remaster, which is incredible. It's like one of the prettiest games I've ever seen, and I'd love to see what they do with like a different type of game that had like more enemies and like a more vibrant world because the graphics are like some of the coolest ever. But they like kept somehow the janky ass controls from the original. Like it's the prettiest looking game, but still it's so janky. Yeah, I play I've only played the PS2 version. Uh, and I recall like the most memorable thing about the gameplay is, oh yeah, this horse, you can't control the horse. Aggro well, is incredibly difficult to ride on. I mean, he earns the name. The horse earns the name in a major way. It is still impossible to ride this horse. I mean, it's it's so it's so tragic because like there's parts where this game like succeeds so hard where you're like riding on the back of a giant flying monster and like crashing it into the desert. Like, and then there's other moments where your horse like literally cannot walk <laughs> through a forest. It's, yeah. it's maddening. I've I've read while doing some preliminary research for this podcast that that was intentional. Like they wanted to make aggro like deny your request sometimes, like make them hard to ride because oh, yeah. it's a real horse. Oh, it, it, uh, it very much feels intentional. Yeah, it very much feels like we did this on purpose. <laughs> Fuck yourself. Shadow of the Colossus is basically a horse simulator, <laughs> which is the yeah. same thing as their their other game that came out recently, uh, The Last Guardian. Yeah, which I liked a lot actually. I really enjoyed that game. 
Is that the same thing where there's just like a, a, mo- a monster you ride? There's a or- big monster that you have to like deal with and it just like <laughs> constantly like, accidentally kills you. Oh. Yeah, that happens a lot. And like, it's really cool. But one flaw with that game is that it has a lot of like, you get the monster to a spot and that triggers like it doing a thing and then you do a thing together. But sometimes the game is like, you're not quite at the right like pixel or like the hitbox for where the monster needs to be to like trigger a cool event is like pretty small sometimes. So it's like, bring the monster to the edge of the cliff. And you're like there and nothing happens. And you just need to move like a little bit forward. But like, it doesn't tell you that it can be very glitchy. It's a glitchy fucking game, but it's also, still pretty cool. The sword light idea, basically for people who haven't played to find out where you're going, you hold a sword up to the sun and it lights your way like a beacon to where you're supposed to run. It sounds in theory like a really fucking cool idea, but in practice, it is a nightmare is yeah. adam call any trouble with it really what's what's so weird about it it like first of all it like constantly leads you to like dead ends or wrong turns that you have to like double back and like ride 20 minutes to somewhere else uh it's really hard to navigate on the map um and it's just it's just janky like like the horse it's just like the horse it's not google maps it's like as the crow flies right it doesn't take you towards like the left turn you need to take to get to where you're going it just takes you straight and then you're like there's a mountain like there's an entire mountain that you made me go into and i can't go i have to go around this mountain and it's incredibly inconvenient I, i actually like that shit i like riding around the horse and trying to figure it out but it is can be really annoying Yeah, I've always had mixed feelings about the sword showing you the way because it's a really big map. It seems really big when it first starts um, and you can go anywhere, basically, at the start of the game. Um, But the sword kind of not railroads you, but it just shows you exactly where to go. So it kind of takes out some of that exploration aspect, I think, at least for some players. Um, Me as a 13 year old kid, I just wanted to go kill the Colossus and not really appreciate all the cool like locations and stuff and all the exploration parts um look if the horse had worked maybe but like with with the horse we have like <laughs> i wish there was fast travel with like the ho- we oh, the no. horse we have not the horse that we need yeah um, well that's the, kind of the point of the game right it's there's no enemies besides the one colossus every time uh so you're just supposed to ride around a lot and really take in the atmosphere and then occasionally kill a monster. That was the point of the game, I feel, right? That's what they were going for? Yeah, I think it was like setting the mood and then breaking that mood apart with like running into a monster. Um, I think that's exactly right. It's kind of like the it's the gameplay is kind of similarly to when I played The Witcher 3 and didn't realize there was fast travel. And so I just rode my horse all around the map because I didn't like know how to do anything So I'm a huge idiot. And it kind of is like that where you just ride, you're just riding around looking for cool stuff. And there, there's no cool stuff. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the only cool stuff we found are thousand foot tall rock monsters. Well, here is the cool thing, though. In the in the remaster, like the environments are so beautifully realized that there is this there is this whole level to the game of just like take it all in. Like there's like different like kind of like awe moments where you go around the map and there's like big valleys and waterfalls that like in PS2 were probably cool back then, but like are very cool now. And and and, and so uh, that is something that I. I think like makes the remaster it brings something new to the remaster bring new to the game um but uh yeah it's like i think the graphics are so cool but like i said earlier i'd love for them to like 
translate that en- those graphics to something that had stuff in the world. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. How do how do we all feel about the camera control of the game? Uh, cuz that's another thing I distinctly remember while fighting the colossi <laughs> is the camera. It seems like it has to be that way or like for like this just to like frame the colossus correctly, right? I don't know. Yeah, but it also does like pose it does make fighting trickier. It didn't bother me in the remaster. It might have been worse in the in the PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. For those who who don't haven't played it, uh, the camera does sometimes have a jarring like just switch. Like it'll go one eighty on you when you're trying to do something, and it can really disorient you. Um, which I I didn't like as a kid, obviously. But thinking back, much like Agro the horse being difficult to ride, I kind of like in that like yeah, realistically, if you're climbing this big thing. You're going to be jarred a lot and like really disoriented regardless of where you are. Um, It just doesn't make for the strongest, fastest gameplay. So, you know, that we're still on aggro. I just got to mention, like, when aggro dies, I'm officially like, fuck the main character. Like, yeah, like the like the horse, like he like like he has basically the way the horse dies is like there's this big uh, gap. And there's like a pillar in the middle. So like the hero is like, let me ride the horse, jump the gap, like hit the pillar and then like keep running and jump across the gap. But like, of course, the gap crumbles and he makes it across. But the horse is fucked and like falls and like dies. And he's just like, Ugh, like time to keep going. Like, it's just like I'm like, fuck, like I suck. Like I'm the worst. Hey, <laughs> to be fair, he has two seconds of looking down before going. All right, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does gaze down for two seconds. Um, I will I will say for that, that's another thing uh, I was mad at at the end when, spoiler alert, Agro doesn't actually die. He comes back. He falls down this like 50 foot, 50 story gorge or whatever. Into a river. Into a river. And after like you get turned into a baby and everything's destroyed and you've ruined everything, Agro just comes with one, like one leg limping and he's totally fine otherwise. And I remember just going, bullshit. No way he survived that fall. And That's even if he did, horse. even if he did, when a horse breaks its leg, you normally put him down, right? Because like they don't heal properly. So I'm like, this is just, just leave him, leave him to die. It would have been cleaner. Yeah, it yeah. sucked. They make you watch a horse survive, but limp. Like through a temple, like at the end of the movie, <laughs> it's like the w- saddest image, just a horse limping on a broken leg. It's like, oh, my God. The worst part's the post credit sequence where they take him to the glue factory. That's like <laughs> really devastating. Yeah, to it, watch. Gets real, it gets real dark in the end when they go to the top of the temple and it's just a glue factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, this game makes sense now. Like as a kid, I didn't understand it was a glue factory. Yeah, it's just a horse. It's horse simulation. The game is what Shadow of the Colossus is. Right. Agro's the protagonist. If you just keep every time he disobeys you, if you just do what he wants to do, you get a secret level where you don't kill any of the Colossi and everything's great. And your yeah. girlfriend just wakes up. I mean, you're joking, but he kind of is the nicest character in the game, hands down. So he yeah, should well, be the protagonist. Well, let's see. There's an evil child who's obsessed with his girlfriend. There's a dead girl. There's an evil god ghost. And there's a horse. So, yeah, I guess the horse comes out on top. It doesn't have a lot of competition. Yeah. Pretty low bar to jump. <laughs> and horses are notoriously good at jumping bars. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, uh, I think we've uh, talked enough about the game. If we should want to go take a quick little breaky boo. Yeah, I think uh, this would be a good time for people to use the bathroom and uh, and hear, I mean, take us with you. I guess it's a portable on-demand form of entertainment. But more importantly, listen to this uh, bit from our sponsors. They've been great. Hey there. 
Do you love birds, but you hate to go outside just like me? Well, luckily, there's a solution. Now, from the makers of Car Sand comes the Indoor Birdhouse. The Indoor Birdhouse is a perfect way to bring the outside world directly into your home. You just hang up a little wooden house in the center of your living room, open all the doors and windows, and let your avian friends fly in. Turn your home into an aviary and fill it with your feathery friends and your best hollow bone pals as they spin and swivel and fly all around and you can watch them in their majesty without ever having to risk exposure to the sun or toxic plants or mean people in cars. Get an indoor birdhouse today and feel safe and sound in your home, loving birds and loving life. All right, welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. I hope you enjoyed that ad from uh, whoever our sponsor was this time around. Um... And we are back with uh, Jacob Gerstel and Griffin Davis, as always, is here with me, Lux. And we are talking about Shadow of the Colossus, and it's time to rate this game, boys. Um, so, Jacob, if you don't know, or listeners, who did the first time, we give it a score of five joysticks, uh, one being the worst, five being the best. Joysticks because it's a video game, duh. And we'll give a little recap of why I feel that way. And we'll start with Jacob because you're our guest. So out of five joysticks, where do you put Shadow of the Colossus? Sure. Well, I brought this game in because I hate it particularly. Um, no, it's I mean, it's like I said, it's a game that I didn't appreciate as a kid. But looking back, I could see why everyone, why it's so well regarded and well loved. Um, it's not as difficult as I recall. Um, like the Colossi, the puzzles are pretty simple when you get down to it. There's usually like you're on a map with one distinct feature. Use that one distinct feature to de- defeat the Colossus. Um so the gameplay is not really hard, but I don't know if it's meant to be. Um, it is like kind of just like uh, a, like the simplest puzzle game with a specific type of mood. It's just like a puzzle game, basically. Yeah, the it's, puzzles a are easy. it's 100% a puzzle game. Yeah, yeah it's the <laughs> easiest puzzle game ever. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to hold that against it because I think that's what they wanted. Um, I love the story. Um, I think it's great. The gameplay doesn't bother me too much. I like that Agra is kind of hard to work with. Uh, I don't mind the sword light. Uh, music's fantastic. I think I'm giving it five joysticks. Whoa, oh, baby. Lux, that's another perfect score on the podcast. That's a real perfect. Yeah, Griffin, I heard we got a perfect score on the podcast. We've had, we've, had, we've had, I think, one of those before. And now we have two. Um, all right, Griffin, tell the people what they really want to know, which is how do you feel about this game? Um, you know, it was it was great to re-experience this game with the remaster. I'm glad that they decided to keep all the bad controls, but make the graphics look good. Um, what a what a game! What a moment in gaming when it came out. Three point five out of five joysticks. <laughs> what a moment! Three point five out of five. It's me, Griffin. Oh. It's just so janky. Yeah, it's just it is. so janky, like all the time. It's to a point where it's just and and to know that it's purposeful. Just you know, it's setting up a antagonistic relationship yeah no so i'm i'm actually torn because it's funny because i was fluctuating between i was thinking about it either giving it a 3.5 or a 5 because there's a certain way of looking at it that is like this is a game that challenged like what games can do how games can function artistically how stories work what we think about when we play video games why we play video games and in that respect i think it is a five like it really revolutionized like how we think about video games and how we how we play them and like what playing a video game means. 
the same time, the controls are fucking frustrating. Uh, you play as an asshole. Your horse is infuriating. Um, it's, should, that, that should be the, the copy on the back. Play as an asshole. Yeah, it's it's, it's alone re- asshole wanders through the forest. The puzzles, destiny awaits alone <laughs> asshole. Um, hey, you can kiss my lone asshole. Um, but no, if if you and then the puzzles are awesome, but they're also like repetitive at a certain point. Like they're all really different at the beginning of the puzzle. But they all kind of end the same, like with you killing it, like climb to the spot and you do the thing. Um, and that sucks to me. <laughs> That's really frustrating. So I think I'm going to end up just giving it a flat four. Um, I think the concept, I think the concept's amazing. I think some of the execution is really incredible. The remaster is like you said, gorgeous, but the controls are still kind of janky and it doesn't have, it's almost like too pretty for me. Like, it is it is like overstimulating almost. It's that and then also like in the PS2 version, at least to my memory, and remember I was a child or a drug addled weirdo at the time. Dude, you do so much drugs. Are you high right now? No, we're I'm doing a podcast. So yes. Okay. No, I said no. You're not listening to my words. I'm um, clearly at the wrong podcast. I'm very high right now. Jacob <laughs> oh, yeah, Jacob's gonna leave to go to a podcast that's that's blazing. And about pasta. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pasta podcast. Jacob's about to start his own pasta podcast. You can always do a pasta segment. I think, ja- I think, I think Jacob got the taste for pods and he's going to do a pasta pot. I'm done. A pasta? Pasta, yeah. A pasta. Yeah. Thank you for helping me with that. But yeah. So no problem, dude. Teamwork. Um, but yeah, so I'll give it a four just because like it's conceptually really amazing, but it's frustrating in a lot of ways. And I found the remaster I was going to say is that like the PS2 version, <clears throat> you get... Like everything's rendered okay, but the colossi look incredible. But in the new version, everything's rendered awesome, so the colossi don't seem quite as unique in the world. They don't seem as like overwhelmingly present compared to everything else. Which get it? You hated it. Which takes me out of it. So I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it a higher rating than you did. You fucking sounds like a two. It's a four. It was super fun and cool, but like, hey, treat your fours like fours. That's my only note. All right. I don't know. I don't know what the scale is. So to me, like a five, it's good. But I I like a lot of games. I'd give them fives. Well, but you know, there's no room for improvement with Shadow of the Colossus. That's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, you know, obviously it's a game you you have memories about. You're a rubric, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm trying to change your score. I'm just saying, use your brain for one fucking second. No, I'm I'm not gonna change my score. (laughs) I think I think the controls are exactly what they wanted. Uh, If they wanted to change them, they probably would have. It's purposeful. It's true. Yeah, that's fair point. Yeah, so that wraps um, up ratings. But yeah, let's wrap up our ratings. Uh, um, and I'm going to move on to our uh, next segment, Talking Tale, everyone's favorite segment where I ask, have you played Undertale? No. Wow, that was Talking Tale. And All right. uh, moving on to Lex's first segment. Well, you're right. So, t- so that was the first segment from the segment segment. Now we're deep in the segment segment with segment number two, which is everyone's favorite video game themed version of Fuck, Mary Kill. It's time for Play It, Slay It, Delay It, boys. All right. Here is how that works. I'm going to tell you three games. I'm going to read you the copy from their websites. You will then decide which game you would like to play as in play right now. Slay as in throw in the garbage and delay as in save it for later. Those are your options. Uh, This time, the theme I'm riffing off of is games inspired by Shadow of the Colossus. So you have three options and this one's a doozla. Um, first up, we have Breath of the Wild. Explore the wilds of Hyrule any way you like, anytime, anywhere. Climb up towers and mountain peaks in search of new destinations, then set your own path to get there and plunge into the wilderness. This list already isn't fair. You put Breath of the Wild on a list? You'll see, bro. You're going to have a harder time than you think. 
Along the way, you'll battle towering enemies, hunt wild beasts, and gather ingredients for the food and elixirs you'll make to sustain you on your way. With Nintendo Switch, you can take your journey literally anywhere. I, that's not what it says. You can literally take your journey anywhere. I fucked that. Anyways, next, Horizon Zero Dawn. In a lush, post-apocalyptic world where nature has reclaimed the ruins of a forgotten civilization, the pockets of humanity live on in primitive hunter-gatherer tribes. Their dominion over the new wilderness has been usurped by the machines, fearsome mechanical creatures of unknown origin. Horizon Zero Dawn is an exhilarating new action roleplay game exclusively for the PlayStation 4 system, developed by the award-winning Guerrilla Games, creators of PlayStation's venerated Killzone franchise, which I've never heard of. I, I, hate, I hate this list. Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls continues to push the boundaries of the latest ambitious chat from the critically acclaimed and genre-defining series. You Prepare yourself games? and embrace the darkness. I've played a little bit of Dark Souls 1. Okay, so so Jacob hasn't played any of these games, so he's really the only one that should do this game. I have some hot takes, though. Don't yeah. worry. I think I'm I'm excited to watch you kill your darlings. I know these are three of your favorite games. I didn't think of that until after I made the list, but I know these are three of your favorite games. I'm excited to watch you struggle through this choice. Okay, Jacob, you first. Okay, um, so it's play it, slay it, delay it. Yes, yeah. sir. So um, in that metaphor, what is, is Mary delay it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, you, you treat it nice, you're going to really take your time with it. You can take your time with that. You're going to have a long, happy, lasting relationship it's with a com- it. It's a commitment to a long-term relationship. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it takes work, whereas play it, it's like, give me that. Okay. Um, I guess for me, uh, I really like Dark Souls 1, uh, I didn't, I, I watched a lot of my friends play it. I never really played it that much because it's hard. Yeah, um, same as But it is very similar to Shadow of the Colossus and the kind of things that I love where you're kind of a moral, I'm talking about Dark Souls 1. I have no idea about 3. Um, <laughs> where you're a morally kind of ambiguous dude killing people and like you could do whatever kind of. Um, sure. But I think, I haven't heard good things about 2 and not many good things about 3 or like middling things about 3. So I think I'm going to slay Dark Souls 3. Because I need to play one and two first anyways. Um, I guess I would delay Breath of the Wild because, again, I've only heard great things about that game. Revolutionary, all that cool stuff. Um, And I love open world kind of sandbox games. Um, But it's a long investment, I know. So I need to really set aside a lot of time with like a month or so where I just got nothing to do and then I'll play that. Um, And then play it, the third game that I've never heard of, but sounds pretty fun. The Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah. Yeah, I love that fucking game. All right, Griffin. I know these are your babies. I'm just, I don't even think my answers like mean anything. Cause it's like I've played all these games, I've beat all these games. So you basically you tell me like which one I need to like keep. I mean, which one, you know, like you don't take the metaphor so literally. It's just like which one seems like a lot of fun for right now, which one seems like, you know, is the least fun, which one is uh, maybe later. I'm going to say it in the, I'm going to put it this way because I'm pissed. I'm really pissed. Um, <laughs> Dark Souls 3 is the one that's like, you know, that's that's probably my fuck because, you know, that's like there's a very sexual relationship with that game. <laughs> okay. Cool. I don't actually want to ask any more questions about that. So what's the next yeah, thing? I'm trying to get out of this. Uh, I would uh, get rid of Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh. Because it's a good game, but... Breath of the Wild is the game that I'll marry, or I guess delay forever. I mean, mar- it's. It, I'm pissed. I don't. I don't think this made sense this time. It's got to be games I haven't played. I'm sorry. Your turn. I don't think it has to be games you haven't played. <laughs> like, watch. Ready? Don't worry. My segment's gonna save this segment. I'm extremely concerned about it. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there. 
Um, I would. Um, I'm gonna actually uh, go with Jacob. I'm gonna slay Dark Souls three because those games are 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 hard and scary, and I have no real interest in engaging with them in a meaningful way. Sorry, nerds. Two. Uh, I'll delay Breath of the Wild because I've been delaying Breath of the Wild for almost like six months since I bought it, and I still haven't played through it. So I'll just keep that going, and then. Uh, I'll play Horizon Zero Dawn because I, I I like I like Breath of the Wild from what I've seen looks really cool, but it's not quite the same level of involved RPG work, and that's like what I'm here for. Like you know, I want to manage an inventory. You know, I want to sell shit. You don't want to be crafting. Dude. Oh shit! It's got a managed inventory system. <laughs> Dude, Fuck yeah. you do that in Breath of the Wild. Like you have you have no idea. You have no idea. I think I have some idea. Patrick's been playing in the living room for like a month. It's. So- do you know how you can cook so many things in that game? Like there's so many recipes to cook that are meaningful recipes. I'm not talking about just a side cooking game. I'm talking about a core feature that affects gameplay. I mean, if I want to cook food, I'll just keep playing Battle Chef Brigade. I'm so mad at you right now. Okay, let's move. Okay, um, so I found a picture. I feel like um, of all the times I've tried to tell you on this podcast, this was like a sincerely me trying to do a good thing. And it's the only time I've ever actually made you angry. I found this picture online. We'll post it on the Twitter because um, I just I don't understand what it is. It's an old Game Boy ad. I'll describe it for you. It's uh, good. It's a, <laughs> good radio. It is a real ad. You'll just have to. You'll really have to look on the Twitter for it. But it's a real ad from the '90s of a boy playing a Game Boy. The slogan is Game Boy, more fun than a ferret down your trousers. Okay, and there is. A ferret digging down this boy's trousers, uh, and he's 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 smiling in glee while playing the game. He looks ecstatic. He looks like kind of like Pee Wee Herman, like laughing. Um, Wait, Griffin, I'm looking at this picture right now. And here's the thing that I want to ask you. Okay, which is you didn't make this for the podcast. (laughs) Um, What do you what do you you're talking about the picture I emailed you, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I made this. Yeah, Uh, you said. So, okay. so for context, for listeners who don't who aren't in my inbox, I got a message from Griffin on email that said important image and then, quote, this will be part of my new segment on tomorrow's podcast. And then it was this picture of a young boy freaking out because there's a trap fair in his trousers. He's trying to play his Game Boy. He's enjoying it. Where did you find this picture? I just on Reddit. Okay, so I got this image and I thought that this was like some obscure like, um like Zodiac killer hint that I had to decipher that Griffin had made. So I could like figure out what the segment would be. Um, I didn't realize this was a real thing. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, the segment is just this. Okay. Is it just talking about it? It's just like, I, what is it? There's a lot of things to unpack here. Um, yeah. What yeah. is, what is that on like the shelf behind him? It looks like four goblets and a tea kettle. <laughs> Actually, it's six goblets and two tea kettles. Cause the shelf down is another tea kettle and two more goblets. Oh wait, shit! And then there's two coffee mugs above, and then like a stack of like encyclopedias below yeah. that. It's it, it is other than the unsettling core idea. It is also incredibly '90s. Just everything uh, about the image. Oh, also, it's, it's, is that a ferret? Because I've had a ferret, and he didn't have a tail like that. Like a that's actually a great question for the podcast fans. Well, let's let's take it to a vote. Um, uh, is it a is it a ferret? Then tweet at us hashtag ferret. If it's if not it's a ferret, not a ferret. It's a, a new new segment: ferret, weasel, or stoat. You really got to figure it out. <laughs> That's a long hashtag, but um, but you just guess which one it is. Yeah, their tails are so much bigger and floppier, and they look so much less like scorpion tails than this image. 
that was what really stuck with me is how much his tail looks like a scorpion tail. So he's sucking this guy's dick, right? That's the implication. <laughs> I think, or maybe like getting up in the taint because they're long animals. So I feel like he'd be past the dick with like the just like thinking about how long a ferret is and like where he's at in the body and stuff. It really is just an it was just really an era that was like we're appealing to a core demographic. <laughs> we're feeling the gamers who like oral sex. That's really what we want to target with. And, Game and Boy. don't care where it comes yeah. from. <laughs> who like oral sex. They don't care how they get there. No, they don't um, care who it hurts. We should probably move on because this is, this is not visual. Um, uh, but any final thoughts <laughs> about the image or the game? <laughs> No, no, about the image. Um, no, I just wish I was in the marketing room when this was pitched. <laughs> uh, that image is disconcerting and it makes me uncomfortable because I don't like the idea of this man getting oral sex from some kind of ermine creature. Anyways. And that's my bad. Um, hey, look, that's life for all of us. We all run into things that we're not going to love right away. Like my new segment, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> Griffin's new segment. Look, we're gonna talk about a thing you can't see. Um, uh, but yeah, so I know there we were talking before the show about a shared interest of me and Jacob that I'm not sure Griffin is as deep in, which is the wonderful card game anime and the fantastic manga Yu Gi Oh. Fuck yeah. Doing three minutes on Yu-Gi-Oh. So yeah, in lieu of talking tale, because there's no tale to be talked, uh, let's do a little Yu-Gi-Oh chat. Um, yakking about Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, yakking Yu-Gi-Oh. Love this is it. the Yu-Gi-Oh yak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is a phenomenally good. The manga in particular. Like The manga in particular is really incredible. When yeah. you're like the Dark King or when Yu-Gi-Oh is the, possessed by the Dark King and is challenging people to like games for their souls. Like just around Japan. Yeah, it's it's a it's a each chapter is like a different weird obscure game that some crazy dude challenges him to. One of my favorites is just like the guy who takes over like the escaped convict who takes over that burger place sure. and he points a gun at his friend and he likes you're like, Yugi, hey, get me this, go get me a drink or whatever. And then Yugi so he pours a drink, puts it on his gun hand and like puts a lighter or something on it. So that he basically sets himself on fire um, because yeah. he's constantly pouring this really high content alcohol all over himself. And then he kills him like he straight up kills him. Nothing happens afterwards. It's never mentioned again. <laughs> he sets a man on fire. Yeah, what's I think my favorite thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! Back the fuck off, locks. I'm going next. Okay, go I'm, for I'm, it. I'm, I'm yakking next. Um, okay, uh, my Yu-Gi-Oh! Yak is that I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is is uh, superior to Pokemon in the way that like they're both card games that had TV shows, but Yu-Gi-Oh! actually like kept the fact that it was a card game and like kept that into the drama of the stories and the narrative and like did that pretty seamlessly into the fact that like oh the strategies and the drama was like a good and fun and clear and simple part of the narrative like they did that very well but then Pokemon kind of just made it more about the relationships with the Pokemon they did that very well up to a point because there would also oh, okay there would also be, there would also be the moments where he'd be like here's the combo of cards that creates infinite damage and it was like oh, yeah that's okay but no like that's just yeah. not my funnily enough i think the card game aspect of it's the weakest part of the manga when you just like it became solely about the cards um because it gets really crazy and extreme in this world where this card game t everybody plays it like they play on a zeppelin 
like 30,000 feet in the air and he's like, this physical challenge will push you. This cold will kill you if you don't play fast enough for Battle City. I'm like, all right, this is really extreme for a card game. Yeah, like Battle City and and, uh, and Duelist Kingdom are both really great where it's just like people running around like trying to either find each other to play the game or run away from each other so they won't lose. And it's like kind of like Battle Royale or like um, like the Hunger Games, except it's just like instead of a bow and arrow and swords, it's just cards. I love that. And, and so maybe, you know, maybe as a, someone who wasn't great at the card game, maybe I thought the card game stuff was good. But I don't see a lot of cartoons that do the card system as part of the narrative. No, I think that's a really interesting point. Like that is one of the cooler things about it for sure. Yeah, uh, I I used to play a game called Card Fight Vanguard as well when it first came out, and that was a good that was an anime that also supported it. And the thing I really liked about it was how small scale it was at first. Like the first big arc is I'm going to my local card shop to play in a tournament. It was like six episodes, and like all right, I like how small and realistic this is. (laughs) Okay, Lux, time for your yak. Yeah, I think it was usual. Um, yeah, I mean, my thing is is sort of with the manga. One of my favorite things about it is that um, the tone just shifts radically after like the first section of the manga because like the first like arc is like he's possessed by this like egyptian king who loves games they're playing these crazy games he's killing people he's stabbing dudes he's winning money it's crazy and then eventually he's but then like the next arc they were just like actually the, the egyptian guy is nice you play one game, it's a friendly game with monsters, and you love your grandpa. And this is what Yu-Gi-Oh! is now. So at one point, just pivots, and doesn't, like, retcon anything. It's just, like, this is the world now. That other shit that happened, don't worry about it. Like, Yu-Gi caught some bodies, but, like, it's fine. Yeah, it's a, it's a game where Kaiba literally builds an entire structure just to kill them and brings in an, a, like, well-known serial killer to try and murder them into, let's go play cards on this island for two days. <laughs> yeah, it, it really makes a weird jump. It's clear that like after the first arc, someone's like, if we tone this down a little bit, we could get and some so kids. Is, and that seems like kind of w- where the cartoon starts, right? The American cartoon. Yeah. yeah. The cartoon starts there. Well, they, they wreck the cartoon retcon some of the earlier stuff into like the guy is nice. Um, yeah. And then catch up from not. there. He's not nice <laughs> in the manga. He's like a very mean man. Um, he, <laughs> That's he, awesome. I kind of want to read this. You now. should. You should. It's, it's really not, good. It's not, not that long in the grand scheme of yeah, things. The first arc's pretty short and it's really good. Wow, Jacob. It was so great to have you. Um, I'm sorry there was only one microphone. Uh, then, then we'll have to have you back on again. Once we get our two mics set up, set up. I'm going to include it on my rider next time. You can you can bring it. <laughs> yeah. Um, your inclusion rider to include two microphones. Two microphones. And, and, some, and Griffin will have avocado toast and chips ready for you next time. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Because he's a millennial? Is that why? It's just two foods I thought of that you could have. Yeah. It's also funny foods, objectively. Yeah. It's also funny because it's avocado toast and then the chips, which is like, what are you going to dip the chips in? Like, stab them into the toast? Like, come on. It's a weird arrangement. Um, <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> thank this you for bailing me fun. out of that joke. Um, yeah, it was great having you, dude. You were an awesome guest. Uh, this is a great game. It was a great talk. Um, Jacob, where can the people find you on the internet when they need Yeah, plug some stuff. They need your shit. Yeah. Uh, people can find me on all the various social media platforms, all at Jacob Gerstel, G E R S T E L. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think that's it. And then Facebook, I guess, if you want to friend me, that's uh, maybe. Maybe I'll accept it. Um, Neve set a dangerous precedent that I'm not entirely into. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah Neve, Neve said add him on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I probably I probably won't accept you because I don't accept strangers. But if you want to follow my comedy stuff, uh, YouTube, I have a lot of my sketches up there. And then uh, on Facebook, the four cute boys. 
and squish comedy you can see some stuff that i've done he does a great sketch show called four cute boys that's once a month the two-man sketch show with him and uh another talented boy named connor hurley um it's an incredible show come check it out at the pack theater once a month all right griffin tell him tell him tell the people hit him with the info just follow me on twitter at shut up griffin or you can go to game boys pod at game boys pod and uh you know all inflate right. our egos yeah, please do that. Um, and please, if you get the chance, go on iTunes, give us a five star rating, give us a review. Yeah, give us a five star rating and please tweet it at us uh, if it's a ferret or what, what was the second hashtag? Uh, a, a weasel or, or a stoat. Yeah, hashtag ferret or hashtag weasel or hashtag stoat. Stoat or bonus points for a Pine Martin. I read a lot of Redwall books as a kid, yeah, guys. I, th- I thought that might have been what was happening here. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can find me at ML Surfboard on Twitter. Um, look at Party World Wrestling on Facebook. If you go to Twitch TV slash Party World Wrestling, the archive footage from the last show is there, as well as uh, clips of the highlights that I did. The main content output is uh, Wisecrack. So go to Wisecrack on YouTube. Uh, look at videos. I've done a bunch. Actually, there will by the time this comes out, there's going to be at least three about video games, about Deus Ex, about Assassin's Creed, and about Nier Automata. So this is a great time to go check it out if you like video games and you like thinking about stuff hard and you like my jokes. Um, which if you like thinking about stuff hard seems mutually exclusive. Um, any second this podcast is going to end. Yeah, I promise. It's about to end right now. Um, all right, internet. We love you very much. We'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. What was the name of the game again? Shadow of the Colossus. I know. I've just forgot for a second. It's a great game. <laughs>